9 November 2004. Phase Line Blue, Fallujah, Iraq. On the second day of the Second Battle of Fallujah, Captain Chris Douglas, the executive officer of Kilo Company, rode in the passenger seat of the up-armored Humvee as he monitored the radio net, writing in his notebook and relaying orders to the platoon commanders. A news reporter occupied the rear passenger seat, and the first sergeant sat to the rear of the driver. The Humvee drove close behind the Marines of Kilo Company, who, in turn, followed behind the Army Armored Battalion. The overcast sky drizzled rain, turning the powdery Iraqi dust into a slippery slime that coated the streets and increased the difficulty of moving through the bombed-out houses. From time to time, the Humvee passed uncollected Iraqi bodies stacked at the side of the road, while Navy corpsmen loaded the wounded into ambulances. The deafening noise of artillery, tank guns, and smaller ordnance thundered from all parts of the city. Captain Douglas concentrated on the accomplishment of the company's mission. He cared about nothing as much as his Marines and told himself that if he did his job perfectly, he could save lives. He cursed his luck and the fact that he had to babysit some Chicago newspaper reporter in the middle of the largest battle fought by the Marine Corps in 40 years. As a professional, he never complained about an order, but in his mind, the idea of an embedded reporter appeared more brainless than issuing the malfunctioning Johnson automatic rifle to Marines on Guadalcanal. Civilians had no place in combat, and consequently, it didn't matter if the reporter, Ann Merrill, seemed intelligent and brave, wanting to report the accomplishments of his company, but he wanted her to stay out of his way. On the day of the battle, he asked the reporter not to get out of the Humvee. She didn't argue, but every time he got out, she nevertheless got out too and started taking photographs. When he yelled at her, she returned to the Humvee, but at the next stop, she jumped out again, moving with the grunts and snapping photographs. Next, he ordered her to stay within 20 feet of the Humvee, but that didn't work either. If he left the area of the Humvee, she followed. He then ordered the first sergeant to make certain she did not exit the Humvee. At the time, he thought if the first sergeant could control all of the young men and women in the company, then he should be able to manage a civilian reporter. Douglas cursed out loud when he saw Ann Merrill just smile at the first sergeant and proceed to go anywhere she wanted. He chewed out the first sergeant three times before conceding defeat. I give up, First Sergeant. If something happens to her, it will be on the back of the assholes that sent her out here. Just let her take care of herself. After that, Douglas let Ann Merrill go everywhere that he went, and that included every part of the battlefield. Kilo Company turned south on Nizal Street, and the lead elements reported being in sight of Al-Hariri School. Douglas passed this information to the battalion intelligence officer, who quickly replied that he had analyzed the situation reports and warned that insurgents occupied most of the mosques and schools in Fallujah as strongholds. The intelligence officer recommended that Douglas designate the Al-Hariri school as a company objective and that the battalion operations officer prepare a coordinated attack on the school. Douglas concurred and ordered Kilo Company to pause two blocks from the Al-Hariri school in order to plan the attack. He watched as the reporter stepped out of the Humvee and bolted towards the school.